Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today, as always, with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode, which is guaranteed to have a lot of important information that can really help us out during these challenging times. Are you ready to begin our discussion? Yes, I am ready. Now, today, we want to explore the concept of empathy and its powerful effects on our personal well-being, our relationships with others, and our ability to relate effectively with those from differing backgrounds and cultures. Why is this topic so important right now? Well, recent studies show that for many in today's world, empathy is on the decline, anger and fear are on the rise. People are finding it more and more difficult to relate to another's pain because we're struggling so hard to figure out how to manage our own pain. And yet, empathy holds the key to humanity's ability to live together in effective and nonviolent ways. So, let's begin our discussion with a broad definition. Empathy is the ability to understand and connect with the feelings of others as if we were feeling them ourselves. Once again, empathy is the ability to understand and connect with the feelings of others as if we were feeling them ourselves. That's a really powerful definition because real empathy is so much more than feeling sorry for our friend who's in pain. It's actually a visceral response. Our ability to actually feel the pain and respond to our friend from a place of deep understanding. Yes, there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is the act of feeling sorry for someone else's pain. For example, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry that you're going through this difficult situation. Is there anything I can do to help you? Most of the cards we send to others reflect that type of interaction. They're called sympathy cards because they acknowledge that our friend experienced a loss and we want to let them know that we care about how they feel. Yeah, we care about how they feel, but we don't actually connect with how they feel. Exactly. And this is the big difference between sympathy and empathy. Now, I don't mean to be critical of sympathy because it's a valuable expression of concern. However, psychologists tell us that large portions of our population are experiencing a growing sense of alienation and a fear that no one really understands what we're going through, that no one really cares. Empathy gives us the opportunity to actually understand what it's like to share someone else's pain. And it can often stop us from inflicting pain on others because we do understand at a very deep level. So today we're going to discuss why empathy seems to be easier for some than others, the importance of social empathy to ourselves in society, and how to really put ourselves in another's shoes. So right now, I respectfully challenge each of us to get off our affirmation and take time each day to practice the art of empathy. Once again, I respectfully challenge each of us to get off our affirmation and take time each day to practice the art of empathy. Now, to say it another way, empathy is the ability to identify the emotions of others 
coupled with the ability to understand and relate to what someone else might be thinking or feeling. For example, actually feeling joy for someone's accomplishments or feeling genuine grief over their loss of a loved one. Empathy is a gift that we extend to help others feel seen, heard, and understood. It reflects back to them that we care enough about what they're going through to want to share their experience. Instead of staying outside the situation, we get involved. Instead of being an observer, we become a participant. This can be so comforting when it's done effectively. Now, the opposite of empathy is apathy, which is defined as a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. And so we ask the question, what would it take to create an environment that would foster a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern in a person? Well, it would have to be the type of environment that was somewhat impersonal, perhaps competitive in negative ways, and which lacked a nurturing component. It would be an environment which emphasized that reaching out to others in need was a negative characteristic. Yeah, that person wouldn't feel free to express their feelings and would probably feel really awkward if others shared their feelings. They probably feel much safer keeping things to themselves and not really interacting with others on a more personal level. I remember a really poignant experience I had with a member of our family many years ago. He passed away before you were born, Matthew, and um, I'm going to withhold his name just to protect his privacy. He was quite a loner, and he found his niche as a chemist, working alone in laboratories for months and years at a time. He could make brilliant conversation about issues related to the scientific and medical communities, but he showed very little interest when other topics came up. There seemed to be a hardened exterior around him that prevented other family members from questioning him on personal matters. One day, he accompanied some other family members to a play that I was in, and while we were sitting in the green room, a crew member who had just been hired approached me and asked where to find a certain prop and how to set it up correctly for the scene. I told him, and he was grateful. But when he left, our relative seemed a bit testy, and he asked me, Why did you help him? Why didn't you tell him to find it by himself? I replied, Because it's hard to learn a new job right away, and I just wanted to help make it easier for him. And he said, Well, nobody ever made it easy for me. I worked hard for everything I got, and when I got my first job, I didn't know where anything was, and no one would tell me. I had to find out every single thing by myself without anybody's help. And to this day, people around me know that I will not help anybody with anything. Let them find out the way I did. Now, at that moment, I began to understand him in a whole new way. Instead of the arrogant, patronizing personality I had previously thought him to be, I suddenly realized that this was a man who had been wounded and taught that if you survive, you survive on your own and nobody is going to be there for you. After that, I had much more compassion for him. I empathized with him and 
was much more understanding of why he said the things he said. He didn't want to be hurt again. He didn't want to be vulnerable. He wanted to make sure that he was always self-sufficient and never really involved himself with others. And so he became apathetic. I remember you telling me this story and feeling so sorry for our relative. I felt so bad hearing that it sounded like he was living this isolated life of not trusting anyone, not relying on anyone other than himself. Not to say that a person shouldn't be self-reliant, because everybody needs to be to a degree, but I felt so bad that he took it to such an extreme degree that he no longer valued his relationships with friends and family. I know. It was really hard. I believe that apathy is often a learned response from deep wounds we've received. But, on the other hand, studies show that empathy can also come out of difficult experiences. So this is something that varies from one individual to another. Needless to say, powerful events in our lives can leave lasting impressions. Empathy is an innate capacity that's inherent in everyone but needs to be developed. We need to really work on sensing the emotions of those around us and being able to feel what they're feeling. Empathy is important because it helps us respond appropriately and is typically associated with social behavior because the more empathetic we are with others, the more able we are to extend our compassion to them. Yes, and that's where social empathy comes in rather than interpersonal empathy. Social empathy is the ability to understand social groups by becoming aware of who they are and what they've been through. Again, this can be a tremendous benefit, not only to ourselves, but to society itself. When we work to develop social empathy, we begin by reaching out to different social or cultural groups. And by learning their history, we come to see what events and circumstances have shaped their lives. We can understand their background and values from a wider context and have a much better opportunity to Imagine what we would do if we were in their positions. In the book Social Empathy by Elizabeth Siegel, she talks about Hurricane Katrina in 2005. It was quite a tragedy, and so many people were left without food or water or a place to live. And during that time, there was a lot of looting as well, people grabbing food and clothing from shops, and a number of journalists condemned these people as criminals. But in the days and weeks following the crisis, there were other journalists who understood that in this instance, the looting wasn't necessarily a crime, but it was the effects of the neglect of the levees and of the neglect of the poor communities in New Orleans for generations. For these journalists, it was important to present the historical context of what these people had gone through and provide an unprecedented opportunity for our country to reach out to them in a spirit of understanding and compassion. Yes, and with the crisis we're facing now with racial inequality, it's become extremely important for white allies to learn as much as we can about white privilege to help us understand how we unconsciously ignore the challenges that black people have been facing for years and to realize that our ignorance is the result of being born into a racist system that did not provide us with an accurate representation of black history. And there's so much we don't know that we really need to learn about. 
so that we can be part of a solution instead of inadvertently perpetuating the problem out of ignorance. I'm facilitating a book club at Unity of San Luis Obispo right now on the New York Times bestseller, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And it has been a fascinating experience. The book is based on Dr. Kendi's personal experience with racism, and he devotes various chapters to biology, ethnicity, culture, behavior, color, and tells in great detail how misinformation on each of those categories has perpetuated negative stereotypes for black people that have endured for centuries. Dr. Kendi says it's not enough for these systems to stay in place. We have to participate in changing those systems. So being an anti-racist invites us to take a good look at the history and context of black people in America and truly empathize with the disadvantages they face every day of their lives, even though they have supposedly been guaranteed their civil rights. Yes, and it is only through social empathy that we're motivated to reach out and find ways to actually understand what it feels like to be oppressed at that level. You know, for many years, I believed I understood much of the black experience because, as a Jew, I was also an oppressed minority. But recently, I came to understand that I had a lot to learn before I could grasp the enormity of that level of persecution and racial inequality. I could only identify with what it felt like to be discriminated against during certain times in my life. If situations became threatening, I could always move out of a neighborhood or stay away from certain social circles or change my name and didn't have to be negatively identified as a Jew. And while I certainly don't want to minimize those experiences, I didn't realize that black people did not have those options. They couldn't move to a different neighborhood or change their names to solve the discrimination problem. So I had to imagine what it would feel like for me to experience unspeakable discrimination and prejudice every day of my life. I sat with that idea and visualized myself as an African-American facing overt as well as covert displays of inequality. I began to feel the feelings of being perceived as less than and could soon feel the differences between what I had personally experienced and what I needed to experience in order to truly empathize with the black experience, with their pain and with their frustration. I'm really grateful for this opportunity to examine white privilege through the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. I recommend it highly, not only for the powerful information, but for the opportunity to develop greater social empathy through the amazing stories that Dr. Kendi tells about his personal response to racism. I know from my personal experiences and from the education we've had from the book and, and really the era we're living in is that another key pathway to social empathy is through listening and heartfelt conversation. How else are we supposed to become educated about other people and their cultures? We have to listen and ask questions. When we hear someone's story firsthand, when we hear about their struggles and triumphs, their stories and music, really learn the history of why things are the way they are today, we have the opportunity to build social empathy. 
And there is nothing as powerful as an empathetic listener who is truly into a conversation and is willing to put aside their own needs and focus on being present for you. There are a number of creative listening tools that we can practice which will help us become more present to others, but right now I want to give you an example of some of the training tools I received as an actor. Playing the part of another person is probably one of the greatest opportunities to experience empathy. In order to be really effective at playing a role, we need to understand not how we would experience the character's story, but how the character experiences their own story. And in order to portray them in the present moment, we need to understand what brought them to this place. What's their backstory? What motivates them to behave in certain ways? What situations influence their decisions? Acting classes often involve a time of research and discussion about the character's backstory. We learn to identify with their perspectives, with their physical qualities. Have they suffered an accident where they have limited use of an arm or a leg? How do they walk? How do we honor the reality of a limited use of a limb in their everyday lives? Does it hurt? Do they use pain medication? Do they tire more easily? What's their parenting style? What choices do they make to help give their children the best opportunities in life. Now, of course, for many outside of the acting profession, this would seem to be an unnecessary backlog of information. But it's really important for the actor to be able to empathize with the character and give meaning to their interpretation. I remember being asked periodically about playing Mama Rose in Gypsy. A number of people have asked me, how could you play a character like that? I don't understand how she could be so abusive to her children. She had so many control issues. I don't find any redeeming qualities about her. But I empathized with Mama Rose. I understood her motivations based on everything I had learned and read about her. I could feel her pain. I could feel her love for her children and the desperate need to get out of the poverty that had plagued her for so long. Of course, I didn't approve of all her decisions, but that wasn't my job. My job was to give as accurate a portrayal as possible of Mama Rose, and the only way I could really do that was to get into her skin, so to speak, and experience as much as possible her life through her eyes. That can be a challenge when, as with Mama Rose, you're trying to empathize with someone who is in so many ways different from you. Yes, but you see, the point of empathy is to understand that we're capable of connecting at a deep level with another person or another culture, even though we don't have the same background or experience. Healing comes about when we create more caring and cohesive communities, when we realize that in spite of our differences, we can experience high levels of social support and a greater sense of well-being and trust. The key is to do everything we can to alleviate the fear of otherness. The more othering we do, the less empathy and understanding there is, and the fear and hatred become intolerable, much like what we're experiencing in our world today. And so take some time 
to find out how much empathy you can generate by developing your genuine curiosity about people and cultures and being willing to take the time to learn as much as you can about them, especially if you think you already know. Extending ourselves to one another in a genuine desire for harmony and understanding actually develops neural pathways in our brain that helps us see those others in a deeper and non-threatening way. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please connect with us on Facebook and subscribe on our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com, so you can be notified whenever we upload the latest episode. Thanks again so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.